Hey, Mouthy Broadcast listeners, it's Lauren. I'm doing an intro to this episode because it's pretty different from what we usually release. It is Red Vein Army Presents the Wicked Women of Richmond panel that I got to moderate recently, and we're putting it out as a full-length podcast. The first voice that you hear in the episode is of Ryan Sly. He's the president of Red Vein Army. It gives you a little bit of background on what Red Vane does around the city of Richmond. The panel featured Kitty Barnes, the VP of Operations for Red Vane Army, Monica Maring of Aesthesis Productions, Mina Corbeau of Misfit Theater Collective and RVA Krampusnot, and Sharon Peka, professor of English as well as interdisciplinary courses at Gallaudet University and founder of the River City Cemeterians. I, I encourage you to look through the show notes and check out the links of everybody's projects going on right now. These are some amazing people doing some really awesome things, and you should just definitely check out what they're doing. But in particular, check out Red Vein Army. They've got a halfway to Halloween party, what they call their spring party coming up on May 5th and 6th at Strange Ways Brewery. They're going to be hosting uh, an escape room as well as a costume contest, and there's beer there too. Uh, they also do a haunted house every October, so check that out as well. Uh, so enjoy the podcast, everybody. Later. So my name is Ryan, I'm the president of Red Bay Army Productions. We do um, scare events throughout the year. So if you weren't aware, February is Women in Horror Month. And this is our Wicked Women of Richmond. And it's celebrating um, women in Richmond who do events and um, a little on the macabre side. Uh, women in Horror Month is an international grassroots initiative which encourages supporters to learn about and showcase Unrepresented, unrepresented work in, um, in the horror industry. Whether you're on the screen, behind the scenes, or contributing in other various artistic ways, it is clear that women love, appreciate, and contribute to this genre. So, if we want to do a quick intro for you guys, I'm going to pass the mic around and you just say who you are and uh, who you're with. Hi, Monica Maring. Uh, I am the co-founder of Aesthesis Productions. Uh, we work in film, um, makeup, produce lots of different stuff in Richmond. Hi, I'm Mina Corvo, and I'm the co-founder of RVA Krampusnacht, and also a burlesque performer in Richmond, and a circus performer, and a visual artist in Richmond. Hi, I'm Sharon Pake. I'm from Gallaudet University. I'm a professor of English, and I'm going to talk about uh, River City Cemeterians, the organization that I run here in Richmond. Hello, I'm Katie Barnes. I am with Red Main Army. I'm also the chairperson for RVA Horror Book Club. 
And, uh, you know, I make haunted houses, stuff like that. <laughs> I'm terrible. At Everybody this. knows who I am, right? We do. Yeah, I, I I'm Lauren Izzo. I'm the co-host of the Mouthy Broadcast podcast. I tell foul mouth jokes into a microphone in my free time. Table ends. So who's on first? You know what, Sharon? You're closest to this mic. Can everybody hear me without that uh, mic? Pretty well. <laughs> Okay, um, I think I can go ahead without the mic. Um, Sharon, would you like to have the mic stand? Brian can pass it back to you if you want. To. How comfortable are you with the audience hearing your voice? That's all. I think, can you all hear me in the back? Okay. Yeah. All right, so since you're closest to the podcasting mic, well, I guess we'll just start with you. Um, can I just announce that I'm highly medicated? <laughs> <laughs> So I have notes in case I space out and forget out like who I am or something like that. And now, would you prefer I call you Sharon or Dr. Please Pekka? do not call me Dr. Pekka because I feel like I'm talking to an 18-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying if it were me, I would be doctor for sure. Yeah, me too. I think that, that's like, of the times when I've thought about pursuing a PhD, that's why. I, was, I would say that's only in the bedroom, but <laughs> I don't think that's a kind of audience. So. So um, I'm really interested in the coursework that you do, the courses that you teach at both Gallaudet, and you're also working on developing courses for the University of Richmond. Is that correct? Well, actually, I'm taking classes at the okay. University of Richmond. Sorry yeah. about that. No, that's right. <laughs> Um, but what, uh, now tell us about your vampire class. Please. Okay, so Gallaudet University is the only university in the world for deaf and hard of hearing people, so it's sort of its own thing. Um, we're a small liberal arts university, and like many universities now, we have a general studies program. So the way that it's going is instead of taking like a biology 101, you have integrated learning that occurs. With that, it means that faculty usually have to team up with each other and or have multiple disciplines in foundation courses. So I had this idea that I was trying to encourage one of my colleagues to actually teach in the general studies program. And she didn't want to do it. So I was just throwing out wacky ideas. And I was like, let's teach a vampire class. And then I was like, oh, yeah, why don't we teach a vampire class? Harvard has one. And there were all these other criteria that we had to go by. And one being a deaf university, we had to have some form of um, deaf culture involved. So I laughed. And I was like, well, we could show the 1975 cult classic Defula, which is um, created by deaf people for deaf people filmed in American Sign Language, and it's actually a really great film, but you have to be pretty fluent in sign language to, to, to know what they're talking about. And it's weird. It's a really weird movie. But um, So I developed it. I ran it by the university. They thought it was weird. Um, <laughs> but weird sells for uh, you know, college students. Yeah. And it's not, like, I just, you know, I always have to argue with, like, it's not Twilight. Like, I talk about Nosferatu and um, propaganda films. I mean, like, the propaganda posters for, during the Holocaust and how Nosferatu looks a lot like the Jewish people who are represented in the film. Oh, wow. So when I start talking about that, they're like, oh, that's, like, a lot of history. Um, so they sort of left me alone. In 2010, I got to go to the University of London for a vampire conference and present about Defula, which was like, woo, woo, street cred. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, you know, it's a university, so I'm 
it's all expenses paid trip to London, which was pretty awesome. Um, after that, they've pretty much left me alone. So whatever wacky idea I have, they're just like, yeah, that'd be a great course. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I did need more credentials. So I'm in the public history program. It's a graduate certificate program at University of Richmond for public history since I have a literature background. So I'm developing a dark tourism course, which hopefully will be spring of next year. Um, but this summer I was just asked to develop a course and it's going to be, um, see if I can remember it. Because I just developed it this week. It's um, <laughs> cemeteries, death, and memorials. So we're going to look at, it's a summer course, we're going to look at the different cemeteries in the D.C. area, talk about um, why some people are remembered and some people aren't, contested grounds, um, you know, like if, if you look at Hollywood Cemetery here in Richmond, it's really well kept. If you look at East End, it's in horrible condition. And what does that mean? Because there's meaning to it. So. Wow. Does that answer? That, yes, that's <laughs> exactly what I wanted. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, next up, let's go with Kitty next. Kitty, hey. would you like to use the, the microphone? Um, maybe? No, I think I can do it. I can. Okay. I'm going to project. You're going to project. <laughs> All right, this is new ground for Kitty. Um, so Kitty, I've known you for a long time, for some people who may not know that. We're... We met last week. <laughs> I don't do well with long-term relationships. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> so one thing that I know, you do just about everything under the sun for Red Bay. You outreach with local venues like Blue Cider, you contact, um, vendors to, you know, and, and have to meet with people who are in charge of different kind of craft fairs and that sort of thing to showcase the work that you do. How do you engage in those sort of relationships? How do you begin the outreach process? I pace for a couple um, hours <laughs> ahead of time. Um, I actually have a lot of anxiety, so it's funny that I got put in a position where I spend a lot of time talking to people. So, um, you know, so even before putting together this panel, I was like, okay, okay, uh, I hope they say yes. Like, because I, I was super excited about everyone that I thought should be on it. And I, um, you know, I, I was like, all right, let me see how I can present it to them, that they're going to be interested. I have to partner with the boss man. Um, Ryan Sly, and make sure he approves everything in advance and that we stay within our image. We don't want to break away from our branding, um, but we also want to make sure that everything that we do is a little bit different. You know, we, there, there are events around the city all the time, yes, but do they all have costumed characters roaming around and, you know, do they have that little bit of horror added to it you know is it fun exciting what makes it different and so we put a lot of time into trying to figure out how can we bring different events to our area you know we have an awesome area we have amazing people here and it's like how do we bring those people together so I try to map it out figure out who I want people to um, get exposed to and then 
write it up, present it, and hope it goes smoothly. So, so far, I think everything's, everything's been successful. <laughs> this is not wood. But, but um, I think, you know, we've, we've been really fortunate to, to work with incredible um, vendors, incredible venues, incredible artists, and it's, it's been amazing. So, very fortunate to be around good people. And, of course, incredible podcasts. Uh, <laughs> all right, Mina, I think you're next. Okay. There's Mina, how did you get into circus performing and aerials? I have to know uh, what brought you to that. <laughs> well, I have a, a background in competitive gymnastics when I was a kid, and my mother was a ballerina, and then she taught gymnastics, so I kind of got introduced at a very early age to that. And I quit when I was 18, and wanted to do art, so I kind of, I'd been working out pretty hard for a huge chunk of my life, and I was like, I'm not going to do anything having to do with working out anymore. I can sit on this couch and draw as much as I want, and, you know, I kind of kept up with it a little bit, but it was almost like, I don't have to do this anymore, and so I spent a, a big chunk not doing that, and then um, in my late 20s, I guess, I got back into... Um, doing a little bit of circus things around Richmond. There was a group that used to hang out in the park and just kind of try out hula hooping or contact juggling or whatever. And I was like, hey, I can do gymnastic stuff still. And, and I kind of got into the contortion a little bit because I was bendy and um, got into more performing. And then when I saw uh, people around here like Deanna Danger is doing Lyra, and I was like, well, that looks really cool. I can get back into that. And I took a class with her. And the first day, it was like my, my muscles remembered how to do that. But my body hadn't done anything in a really long time. And so I was like trying to look cool in front of her, like get on there and, and be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I, I remember driving home after that first Lyra class, like shaking, like, I'm going to throw up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worked out in so long. <laughs> but uh, then I uh, met up with Heather Bailey, who runs this amazing silks and aerial and uh, circus program in Richmond at Dogtown right now called um, Host of Sparrows Aerial Dance, and just fell in love with it. When I was in gymnastics, it was more about competing, and I, I liked that okay, but I really liked the performance aspect of it. If it had been all performing, I would have been so much more about that, and I wish I'd known about aerial silks and circus performing when I was younger because I could have kept up with it in that in-between time, but it doesn't matter because it's, I'm doing it now and it's great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and Monica. Monica, I feel like you do so much. <laughs> uh, writer, director, actor, producer, and every genre under the sun, horror, comedy, children's theater. How do you find the focus to do each thing at once and to start a, start a project without leaving ahead and to stick with the theme without losing that focus? Um, uh, time is a big piece to it and being realistic about time um, my husband, Tim, is out there. He is my partner, um, a filmmaking partner as well as marriage partner. And um, 
when we begin a project or when we look to start something, uh, we both are very um, detail-oriented. So the amount of time that needs to be spent on each piece is spent. Uh, it's daunting at times. Um, our film we wrapped two weeks ago, we, it took us two years to find a location and eight months to film. Wow. Um, <clears throat> the horror movie that we hope to make one day took us four years to write. Uh, the doing children's theater, um, I'm not a children's theater performer. I write plays and go into different schools and perform them with children. So there is kind of a turnaround time on the writing of the plays, uh, but it's being trying to be as realistic as I can about time and the planning. Um, as being the producing, uh, producing films or on the production side, as I'm sure Kitty knows, so sometimes you have to be the bad guy and you have to be the, per the voice that no one wants to hear. Um, my nickname is the alarm clock. <laughs> I don't know what time it is. Um, and I, get, I sometimes get uh, dirty looks, but um, it's, it's really saying, how do I want to do this thing? What do we want it to look like and what is it going to take? Well, thank you. I feel like I'm satisfied with the interview portion. <laughs> Who would like to ask the first question? Yes. Um, to the center. Um, are you throwing your subscription now? Are you working for your projects? Are you no, I'm actually taking courses in the public history graduate certificate just so that I have some other credentials other than a lit degree. Well, my course actually is going to be in Washington, D.C., where my university is. I teach at Gallaudet. But right now, there's already several people who are working on the, like the four cemeteries um, with East End, John Schock, and then they've, I think they've just gotten like $400,000 in grant money for restoration project, but they're still going to need people for that. So I'm not incorporating that in my research just because there's already people that are interested in that. And I think there's a professor at VCU who is sort of collaborating with them as well, and he runs a website, which now I'm not even going to be able to tell you. That's why well, I have notes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm medicated, so I'm just like, what is that website? It's about <laughs> cemeteries. Yeah, so there's someone at VCU that's doing that now. Going, actually, just following up on that question, Sharon, uh, Katie Moore off of Facebook asked, what is your favorite Richmond Cemetery besides Hollywood? So <laughs> I assume she, she's, you know, going ahead and making that leap that Hollywood would be your favorite. Well, I think Hollywood's <laughs> actually going to be our forever home, so it is our favorite. <laughs> um, probably Shaco Hill Cemetery, because Poe's first and last love is buried there. Omira Shelton, also the Allen family, is buried there. Um, they have a really good friends of Shaco Hill organization, so a shout out to them, because they do a lot of good work. So that would be my favorite. Do you explore the church cemeteries that are here in Richmond? 
Yes, we do graveyards, too. <laughs> so we I actually give people this, um, because I'm probably always going to be a professor, uh, there's a, you know, the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery is that the graveyard's actually on, you know, a property that has, like, a church, something like that. Um, we, our next meetup is actually going to be, well, we have the volunteer rose for Hollywood, but we're doing Hebrew Cemetery in April. So I'm really excited because that's, um, on their website, they have... In, like, if you want, like, a historic tour, just contact this number. So I called and said, you know, we'd like to set up a historic tour and let us know, like, we're willing to pay. And they were very confused and befuddled. They are like, well, we don't do tours. I'm like, well, your website reads that you <laughs> offer historic tours and we'd like to take one. And she sort of was like, why? <laughs> and I was just like, we're really, we're really interested in it. So, I mean, it's, you know, we, we look at a lot of, like, sometimes we just do meetups where we go around and, you know, look at the different symbols ourselves, but it's always nice to have a guide because then they can point out people who are significant. So I finally convinced her that I was, you know, for real. And luckily, like, I'm a professor. So I'm like, here's my credentials. And so then she did follow up and she was like, yeah, we'll do it. And But I think there's still a little bit of hesitation about why are people coming into a cemetery. But I will say, um, you know, there's not many people my age. They're mostly older retirees who have joined the cemeterian group and uh, just a lot of historians that are interested in it. So. And your cemeterian group is River City Cemetery? Yes. Okay. So and you, how, you can find us on Facebook and, uh, and meetup.com. And how so. often do you typically meet? Uh, once a month. Like, we did 17 meetups last year. Um, I brought my list because I was totally thought I'd forget. Um, I put it together. I had no idea how many people would really be interested in going to investigate cemeteries. And, you know, my parents were always like, you know, you're crazy. Um, and mom's like, it's dangerous. Don't be in the cemetery. So when I put it together, it started off slowly. And then all of a sudden, um, Chris Beasley, who I've made like sort of my co-chair of the meetup group, because he's this photographer in the area and he was really like into it. And bless his heart, like if I posted something, he was going to go to it. So now he's just sort of like my, you know, brother from another mother. Like, you know, we're always sort of gallivanting in the cemetery, probably a little bit too excited. But we try to do once a month. I think he would like us to do it, like, weekly if we could, but I just, I'm tired, and, you know, my husband would like to see me at some point. So. <laughs> Are there any other audience questions? Nathan? Monica, please. it's for you. you um, it sounds like you do a lot of different things. Did this start with one goal? Did you want to be the Hollywood producer? Did you, what led into all of it? Um, uh, I started in theater and I went to Shenandoah Conservatory and studied musical theater and uh, graduated, moved to Chicago and was an actor. Uh, I was doing a lot of uh, performing out there and I started working with a theater company, the Corn Servitory. Um, and at Corn, they wrote, produced, directed all of their own work. Um, so the the directors, the writers, the people that I was working with were the creators. Um, I had written a play called uh, The Curse of the Scottish Play about um, one of the witches from the Scottish play that kind of goes on this existential journey. And they, at Halloween, they, they did one acts, like Halloween themed, and I, I gave them the script and said, is this something you maybe would be interested in producing? Um, and they did. 
uh, it was very well received and it was like this thing clicked in me where going from wanting to be the actor to being the writer or the director or the producer um, I'm a huge Shakespeare fan and a lot of my influences are that kind of we make it, we write it, we produce it, we direct it kind of format. Um, so after that first play was produced, I it was kind of this shift where I wanted to write and I wanted to learn more about the entire process. Uh, was in New York for a minute, moved back to Richmond, met some friends, met a friend of a friend who was making a horror movie but needed a, a writer. Um, I had never written a screenplay before, but I was like, yeah, I'm a writer. Um, and that was my husband, Tim, and that was 15 years ago, so I met him, and I was like, yeah, I can write a horror movie, and um, that's kind of where it started. Um, the Being a producer, production manager, some of the other jobs that I've taken on, um, I enjoy doing... I enjoy doing it to a certain degree, but it's kind of when you're doing anything independent, it's kind of all in and, and uh, working with a limited budget, you have to wear a lot of different hats. Um, writing, if you know, if I could, if I could write movies and plays all day long, that would be the greatest thing in the world. Um, I, again, I'm, I, I'm at the end. I, we just finished a production two weeks ago, so I'm probably in a weird mind frame of still not looking at it fully objectively because I'm still in production for Last Call. Uh, but it kind of evolved from there, and um, I love having my hands in every piece of everything and casting and production design, and um, my husband is the director, and so... Yeah, and Nina is in Last Call, um, uh, Facebook.com/slash/LastCallMovie2016. If you want to look it up, Esthesis <laughs> Productions is our production company. Um, so, you know, it's interesting when we were putting the panel together, we had no idea that you two knew each other or that you were even working together. That's awesome. It was just a random <laughs> coincidence that. This one person who does something that we know of that is amazing, and then this other person that does something that we know of that is amazing, are actually working together on the same project. And I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> this one's for, for Kitty. Uh, I don't know, you have never met you. <laughs> I haven't been married to you for 10 years. But um, the, um, yeah, you told me once that when you were little, all you wanted was your own haunted house. <laughs> That's adorable. Now, here you are, you helped run one that was very successful and great. What possessed you when you were little to think that you wanted a haunted house? Well, possessed, no pun intended. <laughs> um, well, my grandma, uh, she, she was a, well, she used to be a ballerina. And then when she gave up dance to stay with her family, she, um, went into theater and did um, a lot of children's theater, so very similar to what, to what she did. And she would constantly um, tell us these stories and dress up like a little witch. And we would 
get into it. And then my sister and I would start hanging our dolls upside down in the trees <laughs> and then like cutting up cereal boxes and making our own graveyard. And we were so excited and we're like, we're going to jump out behind, the, you know, from the tree and scare everybody. And of course, people would come by and they're like, why are there toys hanging from this? But, it, you know, never had it. But to us, we thought it was amazing. So it was just, you know, it was exciting to create something and we wanted to take my grandmother's stories and make them interactive. Does that answer your question? Yeah. That was, that was really insightful, actually. And yeah. it, it's a perfect segue into a question that I wanted to bring up to the whole panel, is what is it that draws you to the horror genre and the macabre in general? I know, Sharon, we were having a conversation off air earlier, and you mentioned, you know, I get to do what every goth girl wants to do when she grows up. <laughs> you know, um, what is there a is there a moment from childhood or anything like that? Like Kitty yeah. just shared that everybody. Well, my my dad was science fiction when um, comic books were very counterculture, and you know, so I grew up watching old Twilight Zones and freaky stuff that you probably shouldn't see as a kid, but my dad worked night shift, and my mom was always in bed, and he's like, oh, it'll be fine, you won't have nightmares, and I never did, um, so I kind of blame him, because he was always sort of like, I was like, hey, dad, let's, you know, let's make a whatever, like, you know, he's, they used to have really big Halloween parties when I was a kid, and of course, you know, you aspire to attend those when you get older, and then, of course, you get older and they stop because <laughs> they don't want the kids at the party. Uh, but I remember being maybe, like, upper elementary school and um, making this little, like, cassette tape of, like, spooky sounds for this Halloween party. And, you know, I was, like, carrying um, chains across, like, the sidewalk, and, you know, my dad was kicking in leaves, and my mom has this great witch cackle. And so this is just part of, like, my childhood memory. Like, this is normal, you know? So I would have loved the haunted house. <laughs> and Mina, what about you? Um, I always like to dress up in costumes, so Halloween already aligns with what I like to do. Um, and I think it was the same for me, kind of upper elementary school. Um, I started realizing that I was different than the other kids and it <laughs> got into that, like, um, I don't know, like kind of the angsty, like I'm different, but you know, because I'm an artist, I kind of see things a little bit of different way already. And I've struggled with a lot of depression and anxiety in my life. And it's kind of like in that dark place. And when you're there, like you see these horror things or you see witches and you see stuff uh, like, you know, like Nancy from the craft and you're just like, she is fabulous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you start we to, all to start yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all really felt that. Right. <laughs> but um, you start to, you're in that dark place and you start to have an appreciation for these dark things and you feel drawn to that more and uh, see the the beauty in, in the darker things and that's kind of how I, I guess I got into it. <laughs> yeah. And did you have a similar experience? Um, well, it's funny. My grandmother was an actress and um, I spent a lot of time with her as a child and it was a Twilight Zone episode. It was Eye of the Beholder. <laughs> Um, with, uh, yeah, what's her name from, uh, Beverly Hillbillies. And, um, that, that 
that was like one of the first things I remember seeing where it was like, that's interesting to me. Um, but I guess interest in things, horror or dark things has always been kind of, like you said, it's the, I'm different, but it's, how does it kind of fit into everything? And, um, you know, even now, like horror kind of surrounds me in ways where my dog's name is Cujo. Um, we have a Nosferatu shower curtain. I make you know, the art on my walls and, um, but, uh, Clive Barker, who is one of my very big influences, once said, uh, I create in the dark and I live in the light. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. kind of, you know, what what inspires or what is it about those dark things or things that one might say, why are you interested? You know, when you were saying about why would you want to go to the cemetery, like, well, why wouldn't you want to go to the cemetery? <laughs> um, at the um, uh, World Market at Halloween carries universal monster themed items. I mean, with the pictures from Bride of Frankenstein and um, Frankenstein and Wolfman and, and I went in and all bought all of these things and they're like, are you having a Halloween party? <laughs> I'm not. Stock it up for the year. So <laughs> I think it's just seeing things differently. Yeah. I do enjoy whenever we purchase something, especially for the haunt. People are like, oh, what are you making? Or like, yeah. a haunted house? Oh, that that sounds fun. It's, In April? It's April. <laughs> oh. And, you know, it's always... Because especially if you go to a craft store, they, they have to ask you what you're doing. And it's always, like, do you really want to know the answer? You want to know what I'm doing with this? It's going to be blood and gore. <laughs> or when you go to the Halloween store that only opens at Halloween and you just walk in and take things off of the racks like I'd wear that every day and I'd wear that every day <laughs> just do your normal shopping yeah exactly. <laughs> when, you, when you start shopping in July because you know that's when like Pottery Barn and Crate and Barrel are yeah, going to start yeah. advertising their stuff and people are like it's not Halloween and you're like there you go just one thing coming off of what what Mina said really kind of struck a, a chord with me um, about coming out of a dark place and dealing with anxiety. And everybody up here is a creative type. And Kitty mentioned anxiety earlier. Um, how do you cope? How do you... And, and also going off of what Monica said, you know, working in the dark, living in the light. How do you balance... The, the feelings um, between the artistic side and the productive side? <laughs> Too um, much? Well, <laughs> i got to think about that. Um, because creating helps me feel better. So it, it gets your mind off of it. So if you're creating something, if I'm putting all of my energy into creating anything, it's automatically therapeutic for me. Um, so my anxiety isn't really coming from the performing of a thing or the making of a thing, and that, that's helping. It's, it's the, the getting to that point that I have to navigate around, um, just the day-to-day normal things <laughs> that I actually have to navigate around. So um, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but a lot of times, like, if I'm really upset, um, I want to put on music that's angry and screaming, and then... 
it calms me down. Yeah. Like, this guy on the radio is, is screaming for me, and I'm <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, if I'm, uh, I'll put on Interview with a Vampire or something, and it'll make me feel better because they're all dark and depressed, and I'm, I'm like, okay, this is... So it's, it's kind of um, embracing the darkness rather than saying, you shouldn't go there, you shouldn't go to that place. Instead, recognize it and recognize that it has a place in, in balancing your life. I'd say um, it's very similar. Um, creating is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're in a project, it's no longer you. It's whatever you're working on, and all of your energy is focused on making this whatever you picture in your head. You know, it's like you have an idea of what you want to accomplish or how you want something to look. Uh, and it's just putting your energy there and you're no longer yourself anymore. It's almost like a separate persona. So you've got the, this is, you know, what everyone gets. And then it's the quiet time at home where you don't have anything. When you're not working on a project or, you know, when it's just alone in your head where it's kind of, crazy so it's nice to always have something and and that's actually part of the reason um the book club is fantastic too because it's nice to just be able to lose yourself in a scary book we have not talked about the book club yet that kitty is in charge of red vein army's rba horror book club that meets monthly we meet monthly we read lots of scary books we're all over the place on types of scary books but it's it's fantastic to just kind of I love reading in general, so I'll read anything. It doesn't have to be um, necessarily horror, but um, I do. I love it the most. There's just something about being able to control how scared you are and pace yourself, and then you know throwing the book when it's too much, <laughs> then, or if you like you don't like what just happened, it's like that. That's not right. I hate this person, and you know you toss it to the side, and then being able to talk about it. To work out all those feelings, the frustration, because those people in that book are real, even if it claims it's fiction. Like, that really happened, so we need to discuss this, and it's, it's fantastic. One thing that really impresses me about your book club also is that you do a lot of um, independent publishers that you actually get to come and speak I love that, too. At the book club, you get to talk to the people who created these things that either made you happy or thrilled or scared or mad. Or, yeah, really mad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, occasionally we do get authors to come out and join us um, and be part of our talk. Sometimes we've done cyber meets and held a, a Google Hangout chat. And so the authors on the other side of the country, you know, they can join us and talk about their story. Um, and we do books, brews, and booze which this will be its third year where we have a panel discussion with regional authors, and that's one of my... It's like a geek-out moment, and I just... I really love it, so it's a lot of fun. Okay, we're going to leave this uh, second portion off with a, another Facebook question from Monica. Or for Monica. From Monica or for Monica? No, for Monica. For Monica. For Monica. <laughs> From, from somebody named Kitty oh, that left her. a message on Facebook for us to ask this oh, question. Nice. Like yeah, she's um, <laughs> Monica, could you please discuss the challenges of writing a female lead that is believable 
and not a stereotype. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. It's very difficult um, that m what I have, with what I have written and um, what I have encountered, it's been interesting writing female characters. Um, we, I'm all about motivation with anything I write. So any character that I create, um, I want it to be from a place that is believable and, and makes sense so that they're getting to that place. Um, in our first movie, Lights, Camera, Dead, it's funny, it's a horror, it's a dark comedy about people trying to make a horror movie. Um, and, and in it, the, the director casts his girlfriend as the lead actress. And, you know, you think her to be the victim, but she ends up on top in the end, which is pretty cool. Um, Savor the Kill, the movie that took us four years to write, um, that was one where when we went back, uh, before, when, when we were still in the process of saying, can we make this movie, and we were talking about casting, and we said, so, Savor the Kill is like an evil Jumanji meets Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> it's awesome. Wow. Um, we, we, uh, we made a concept trailer, um, and it's about these three sociopaths that play this ancient board game um, where they have to, um, they wager human life to win power, to make them stronger, bigger, better. Um, and all three characters are very, very interesting. And we said, could we make one of these players a girl? What if we made one of the players a girl? And, and you know, this is, and I'm, I write, I write with my husband and the other writers that we work with are also men. So, you know, I don't know, that, but they're all kind of of the similar mind of if it makes sense, if it's motivated correctly, then we want to go down those roads. And um, for this particular story, uh, with the characters being so damaged, um, we said, is it believable? Would the, will the audience accept that one of these horrible, horrible people is a woman and she doesn't have a sexual relationship with any of these men? You know, why is it that, you know, American Psycho, that was written and directed by a woman. Um, no one ever questions the Christian Bale character to say, oh, well, what happened to make him so crazy? But almost as if, if it was female, it would, you know, you almost go to this place of, oh, well, what, what brought her to here? So I guess why is there that double standard of why are we so accepting of certain characters being certain ways and we don't question what their backstory is versus, you know, what we came to, myself included, with Savor the Kill is I don't know that the audience is going to believe that she is standalone strong unless, well, we, we can make her gay, maybe. Um, you know, because otherwise... Is the audience going to believe that she functions with these two other horrible men independently? And it was we kind of were left in this place of, well, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, for Last Call, the movie we just finished, um, Last Call is a Twilight Zone-inspired tale of the regrets of a once-celebrated bartender, and the story is about this very damaged man. Um, and the women in the movie are very much a product of his life. You know, so in, in that script particularly, it, it the female characters or what the script needed, um, you know, it, it lended to a certain kind of female or a certain kind of women to interact with. But it's it's definitely 
um, it's definitely challenging and I don't know what the answer is and it's almost at times kind of upsetting to me in the way of why why don't we accept why if American Psycho if that was a female why would it even in my mind why would it be potentially viewed differently well what would we think of her because I mean I in, in watching that movie and thinking of it, I never once was like, what's his backstory? You accept him in the moment for where he is. So why, why is there that double standard? That's a great question. <laughs> hmm. Do you have any ideas on that, Sharon, as an author? or? Well, I'm not an, that kind of author. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I mean, I don't want to get into politics, but <laughs> I think I could stop there. Okay. <laughs> but I would have to to answer that question. Right. <laughs> but just the portrayal of, you know, the female characters, like that, when you said that, I was thinking about, like, deaf characters, and that was the question that we had talked about before. Why do, how do we perceive, you know, characters? And I was thinking about um, horror films and, there was one that came out last year, Hush, that was um, about a deaf woman. She was a deaf author, and she's living alone. She lost her hearing, and the trailer, and I watched the trailer before that because I haven't seen the, the film, but, um, and I'm not going to, so I'll just put that out there. Um, but it says she cannot hear, she cannot speak. Well, she lost her hearing at 13. Why can't she speak? So I thought it was kind of stupid, and it was just like, I think... One, there's not as many female writers out there. So we're getting bad female characters. And when we get a good one, then we question it because we've been looking at all these female characters from a man's point of view. So I think it's the same thing. It was like we get a deaf character from, you know, hearing people like majority culture, dominant culture, their point of view. So when we get someone that's like us, like why isn't there like a badass goth goth girl that's like, you know, yeah, I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> Have you seen High Tension? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> it's a good... It's a great... I think I did see... Is that the French film? Mm-hmm. I did see that, yes. Yeah. yeah. But until we have more of that, I think, you know, just kind of... And it's not just the minority, like, mm-hmm. the, this tiny percentage of films. When it becomes, like, part of our culture, then we'll accept it. Maybe. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have anything that leads off of this one very well. I'm going to have to totally switch gears. Oh, go ahead, please. Uh, this is for the whole panel. Is there a particular subgenre of horror that you find yourself drawn to more than others? Yeah, I mean, I'm always gothic lit, which is why I joined the book club, because sometimes I need some true crime and yeah like I need a balance or I'm always going to go down to the classics and stuff like that so I like a good ghost story even if it's poorly written like a traditional gothic horror um, I'm going to like it and my husband's going to say that's a really bad film (laughs) (laughs) I actually lean the same way I like the gothic feel and not just in literature um, but also with the haunted house that Red Vane put together, it's a little bit different. We have an older story. There's more folklore to it. You know, you go into the manor and it's set in the 30s. You know, I like that older feel that it's a little bit, it, it, it's classic, 
you know, and it's it's different. It's not what you would expect right now. There's almost like an epic component to the Red Vein horror story. Yeah, it, it, it builds and builds upon itself. And, you know, there's all these little stories that have happened throughout time, but then there's the core story. And I, I love that. And I, I love the, the time frame. I love old ghost stories. I love the demons, things like that. It's, you know, newer, more modern horror. Yeah, I enjoy it, but it, I don't fall in love with it the way I do the older things. I just like the quote. I love the demons. <laughs> I love the demons. <laughs> I love the demons. Um, I like anything with the uh, more supernatural, uh, less slasher films, less um, not into torture porn. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's got, uh, I mean, I saw The Exorcist, I guess, when I was like 13. So that one is has always stuck out to me as the scariest and the best. But anything with possession and demons and, and supernatural, you've got me. And if you add that, um, the gothic or the um, Edwardian and Victorian look to it, definitely got me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of have a two, kind of in two different places. Um, I love old horror movies, all of the old universal horror movies. My husband gave me quite an education um, in... I mean, way, way back. I mean, beyond just Frankenstein, goes to Frankenstein, stuff of Frankenstein, house of Frankenstein. <laughs> um, so the, the old monster movies, and we actually, we go to a horror convention every summer in Mars, Pennsylvania called the Monster Bash, where it celebrates the classic horror movies. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of those, and I also love horror comedies. Um, I love, I love Shaun of the Dead. I love Tucker and Dale versus evil. I love the combination, um, of, of the two. I have to agree with you on that. I I love a good, um, comedy with slashing and (laughs) stupidity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Were there any other audience questions? Okay. Um, (laughs) my next question was for Mina about... Krampusnacht, um, which we didn't get to talk about it yet. Mina is one of the co-founders of the RVA Krampusnacht that um, does the Krampus walk march essentially every December. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and actually the the question had come out of Facebook, uh, what influenced you to start Krampusnacht and how difficult was it to get people on board in the area? Um... What in, well, I love history, and um, especially like Monica was saying, with the beginnings of horror films, it's it's kind of like the beginnings of these old myths and old traditions. So it all kind of fits together for me. But um, I didn't. I vaguely remembered hearing about the Krampus when I was in elementary school, and we were learning about different cultures' uh, Christmas traditions. So. The Krampus made a resurgence on YouTube when people started posting um, walks and runs of the Krampus in Austria. And I saw this and was like, oh, why can't we have this here? I thought it was just a dream. And I posted it on Facebook and Parker Galore, who's the other co-founder, was just like, I think his response was, marry me. (laughs) I didn't. But um, we, we did actually start the walk, and it was, it was just kind of like, can we 
it was real. It was like, we can actually do this. And everyone was, I guess it was just the right time. Everyone was ready for it and everybody jumped on board. We really didn't run into any serious blocks in making it happen. And all of the businesses in Carytown were really supportive. Um, I was telling you before, before the break, um, I'll interrupt and I said I thanked her for bringing back the holidays for us because, <laughs> you know, you have so much baggage with your family, but then Krampus is, <laughs> it's just fun. We've it's had just a, fun, yeah, and it, I'm always so cheesed when somebody around town is like, thank you, yeah. thank you for doing this. I'm like, really? Because <laughs> I, I wanted to, to do you this too. too. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. That's, it's awesome, the, the amount of support that, that we've had, and I think everyone just wants to have fun and they like that extra dark element to it um and yeah the first year we did it I didn't know what to expect I'd gone around to businesses and I gave them a little heads up like we're gonna be weird this night and <laughs> can you hang this poster in your window and I was like really awkward about it um and uh, and then I arrived to get ready that night, and I saw Bev's Ice Cream had their little sandwich board out with a, a chalk drawing of a Krampus face, and they were like, welcome, Krampus, and it was just, it was so amazing. <laughs> yeah. Little tear. Yeah. <laughs> Do the rest of you feel like your projects have been that openly received by the city? Um, I mean, Kitty, starting with you, what you do with Red Vane, the haunted house, and you know, different local events and the book club, do you feel like the city is open and receptive? Yes. It's it's definitely taking some time to get the word out that we do other things, that there's stuff happening here. Um, but last year, Red Vane Army had a different event every single month. And a lot of it is because these are things we want to do. We don't believe that, you know, you only celebrate Halloween in October. That if you love something, celebrate year-round. <laughs> so, so we, you know, we took that step further and, you know, created all these different events. And we have book events. We have movie events. Just, you know, panels, talks, whatever. You know, we, oh, we have a really good one halfway to Halloween where we do an escape room and have a big party. So that's a lot of fun, too. Um, but it's, you know, initially just getting the word out was a little slow going, but now it feels like people understand, yes, this isn't a joke. <laughs> we really do want to dress up in April, and we'd love you to come and join us, you know, and, and have fun with us. So I think, I think it's definitely... Um, but there's up. also a lot of volunteer to it, too, like the yes. readathon. So I think when people first hear about, oh, what is a haunter? And then you have to explain it. And then, and I always find I'm explaining it to people because I, right. I didn't really know what a haunter was. I mean, there's sort of like the, you know, the Venn diagram of the goth community and um, <laughs> haunter community. We sort of, we both like skulls. They're a little bit different, you know. <laughs> but you know, we, we seem to get along well. And, but I think the, the readathon that actually, oh, they're volunteering, they're reading to children and not just freaky stuff. So. Right, we didn't talk about that yet. Red Vane does a readathon every year? Um, not every year. No, so last year was our first year doing it, and we actually built a blanket fort in a library and read awesome. <laughs> scary <laughs> stories. And, you know, we did two sessions one for kids, which wasn't very scary, and then another one for adults. And we had. Um, 
we, you know, we summoned Mr. Scream Freak, and he read from the Book of the Dead. So, we, again... We, Can I say how amazing that was? <laughs> We, we have to make our events different. Yes, you can go hear scary stories in a book fort. I'm, I mean, a, a blanket fort, I'm sure, somewhere, but not like us. So, you know, we do things that are, are strange. But I, I actually joined through the book club. I didn't know what a hunter was. It's a was. gateway. And I, I was looking for something in Richmond. I knew what I wanted, and I saw a group that was at least doing something, and I was like, all right, I'll just at least meet these guys, hopefully they don't murder me, and we'll be okay. <laughs> and this is a legit concern. Like, if you see a horror book club, and you don't know any of these people, and they're meeting, you know, in a, an obscure area, maybe there's running water nearby, they could be dumping bodies, <laughs> you, you have to hesitate before you go, and then I came back, and I, you know, I was unharmed, and then I went to another one, and it's just like, building from that. <laughs> I'm looking at the look on Ryan's face right now, though, it was, and it's it almost so like, scared. yeah, there was a moment where we could have murdered her. <laughs> we thought about it. <laughs> But I had no idea what a haunter was, and they had to explain it to me. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm with them, and we're building sets for events. And I'm like, okay, just you, I'll just stand here and hold this wall. I didn't know what I was doing. And <laughs> now I'm like, I'm in deep. And <laughs> I don't know if this is a cry for help or what, but I think I love it. And it's incredible. And, you know, I'm obsessed with it. It's just, it's so much fun. I think I had been in the book club for about two years when I finally was like, what is Red Vein Army? Because I kind of <laughs> thought it was a cult. And I thought, but we read really good books, so well, that's okay. <laughs> so, they but. do have fantastic ceremonial robes. Yes, so I can see. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You may have seen the robes today. <laughs> and Red Vein does a lot of service things, too, outside of just the readathon. There's also Scares That Care. You have a canned food drive along it to coincide with your haunted house. The donations for friends. We, yeah. we partnered with them so that we could do a toy drive, mm -hmm. part of the, the Krampus event. So, Which has worked out great because we, when we started it, we always wanted to have that, um, that giving back aspect to it. Right. And uh, that works out perfect. So we don't just scare people, we mm -hmm. help. <laughs> I forgot actually where this question started. <laughs> <laughs> it had to do with how uh, being received by the, the local community. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think Richmond's getting, I think, I think it's coming along uh, fairly, fairly well. Um, the way that Asthesis Productions came to know Red Vane Army was for uh, um, an event for Scares That Care, and we did a movie night, and... The, the question that was raised to all of us, because we wanted to show a horror movie, and the question was, are people going to come and see Army of Darkness in June? And we said, yes. 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 <laughs> people, and we were turning people away. Um, and it was awesome, and that's how we kind of got to know the Red Vane Army. Um, I think the artistically in Richmond, people are open to a lot more... Um, than ever before. So even when we are explaining the things that we do, whereas before it was kind of this 
explanation of, well, you know, going down this road to make someone understand that road is a lot shorter these days, which I think is great. Yeah. And Sharon, do you see any differences between the D.C. community and Richmond community, since you're kind of straddling between the two cities? I go there for work, so I'm not really <laughs> hanging out. It's sort of like TikTok, i got to catch the train. Um, no, but I, I will say, like, we were talking about, like, off-air, um, the Krampus Night event in D.C., like, my friends were saying, oh, you should come out, you know, we're going to have the, the Krampus event. And I was just like, <laughs> I saw H Street online. Like, <laughs> like I saw the videos, and I was like, ours is so much better. So I was trying to tell my friends, no, you guys need to come down to Richmond. <laughs> and people aren't Thank understanding, <laughs> like, how cool Richmond has become. And I think even Richmond Region Tourism, a couple years ago, it was like, when no one was paying attention, Richmond got cool. And so I, I keep seeing, I mean, that that's literally... <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah, it's like on their, their tourism site now. But I think when I look at all these different little parts now, we're just so busy. There's so many weird, spooky, creepy things to do that you have to make choices. And I think that's a great thing for a city. Yeah. yeah. I can actually speak on the D.C. versus Richmond thing because I'm a, a D.C. native. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in the art community in D.C. before I came to Richmond. Richmond is amazing. So if you guys are locals here, you are incredible because DC is very clicky and it's hard to I didn't do. want to say that. <laughs> yeah. Let me just tell you. Um, it's hard and, and people have a lot of attitude and you know it's so competitive that if you're doing something, these different groups, they're not going to work together the same way that they are in Richmond. Richmond is supportive of each other and you know, we we want to encourage each other. The art community sees, you know, each other as, um, I don't want to say, like, it's it's equals. Like, we just all want to work together. We have the same goal, and we don't smash each other the way DC will. We also want to have fun. Yeah, and we have a lot more fun. Yes. <laughs> and do you think it's just the difference between being a large city where maybe people are going, trying to make it? Like, you know, you're trying to get into that local art scene and and get onto a bigger platform in D.C. as opposed to Richmond. You're just doing it for fun. You know, you're not here to... Yes and no, because I think everyone, you know, we still, this is still our lives. This, it's right. not just a hobby. Um, <laughs> but at the, at the same time, um, Washingtonians sometimes take themselves a little too seriously. <laughs> I can say sometimes Richmond does that too yeah. not yeah. to the extent yeah. but there is the clickiness a little bit here as well but there's yeah. also the like there were like you said um, when nobody was looking Richmond got cool it, it's because I mean when I was in college I didn't feel like Richmond was cool at all I was like this is awful but there was also this um, this class of kids that had gotten out of VCU and didn't know what to do and just started doing things. And I, I, I think it's funny that when you've asked us questions, almost all of us have, have had the answer of, I don't really know how I started doing this. I just did it because <laughs> nobody else was doing it, and I mm-hmm. wanted to see it happen. And I think mm-hmm. that's how a lot of things in Richmond got started. It was like, we're, we're sitting here, we've got ideas, and no one else is doing it. Like, I didn't really want to be a producer, and I find myself stepping into those shoes now because I want to see shows happen that aren't happening and no one's gonna do that or accept that 
and just take you on board like it's not happening. So you just got to get up there and do it yourself in Richmond. And yeah. a lot of the different groups have started doing that. So there is a, a lot of the we'll work with you and there's a little bit of competitiveness, but I think we're trying to get away from that. Yeah. Um, if I can shameless plug. Uh, Misfit Theater Collective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, my amazing friend Ray Bullock and I started uh, Misfit Theater Collective because we wanted to see... He's in comedy. I was in burlesque. And he's in Last Call. And he's in Last Call. <laughs> and, and then... So now you see, like, the groups that want all of this to work together all are starting to connect. And, uh, you know, we wanted to see the, uh, the theater community in Richmond work with the burlesque community and work with the comedy community and do a show that included everything because I think people do want to see that and we all do want to work together. So it's neat. <laughs> I agree with Mina too. I mean, I wanted to join, like, a cemetery group. I didn't want to run one. But there wasn't one. There wasn't one. (laughs) But there was one in Baltimore, and there was, like, one in Vancouver and, like, L.A., and I was just like, our cemeteries are just as cool as theirs. (laughs) And so I decided, yeah, you just have to do it. So I think Mm -hmm. that is is sort of like that grassroots spirit of Richmond. Wow. I really like where that went. (laughs) (laughs) Were there any other audience questions? Anybody? Please. So I just moved here a month ago from D.C. Welcome. We're right here. We're right here. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> do you like reading? Do you want scary books? Yes. Yeah. We also have a, a movie club. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> crazy and that's how I found Red Main Army and then I, I watched them for a while just like really really carefully and then I kept looking for different you know entertainment companies production companies and it was the only one I found so there's I know there are more now but at the time there was nothing and it was just hi I, I think I sent them a random message and asked if it was okay to join and then showed up and like like I said before, I was really surprised no one killed me, and it, it's it's much safer um, <laughs> to go and meet people. So I would encourage you just to to feel comfortable to go to any of those random events you see, because the Richmond community has been incredibly welcoming. So welcome. Go I started as a blogger actually. Um, I took a sabbatical. I have a research blog. Kind of got sick of doing it because it felt like work because it was. So during my sabbatical, I started um, goth gardening, which was just sort of like how to become more your gothy self. And it was you know sort of like self-help for myself. And I ended up connecting with these people, and I have all these like in, like international followers. 
but they were also people who were coming to DC and like one of my friends um, is from Finland and she was at the embassy so we actually got to meet each other and we drove up to like uh, Maryland to see Fred Gwynn's unmarked grave and we wrote about it together Um, so it, it was sort of like that along with the horror book club like I started you know attending and just kind of thought, like, you know, I saw Kitty, and I was like, oh, she looks cool. She looks like my people, and you just have to wait it out, because I think she likes me now. <laughs> yeah, I she, think she's all right. I wore her down, you know, so. Yeah, I don't always like getting out and doing new things, but I, I think if you just force yourself to go to that one event, I had to do that for myself. Just go to one, and then, like, as we were saying most things in Richmond in this kind of artsy community are connected. So if you go to one and you meet someone, you go, well, I like doing this, and then they can point you very easily to the next step. Um, So that's what I did, and also social media. um, My first thought is, you know, our kind of group or how we bring people in, we're very loyal to our people, so... You know, the, the people we've kind of worked with along the way, we kind of bring into the fold. And other people um, that are interested, you know, my thing is, as thesis productions won't say no to anybody if they're coming with talent, because there's always room for someone's talent in this mess that we are a part of. Um, I think being open to it, I know um, <clears throat> Tim was sick and went to the drugstore and was wearing a guar shirt. And the pharmacist was like, oh, you like guar? And Tim's like, yeah. And he's like, I like guar. And um, he and actually he was Glenn who was here taking pictures. Um, you know, so I think it's being open to saying, you like the thing that I like? Well, then let's. Yeah. Um, another thing I would recommend is, you know, there's a lot of Richmond breweries where there's just awesome people everywhere. Um, we very randomly were at a brewery around the corner a few weeks ago and, and yeah. saw Kitty and Ryan and just lots of, lots of awesome people. Um, if you're into, if you're into beer, <laughs> you're in the right place. And cider. <laughs> Are we out of time, Ryan? Five fifty. Yeah, it's five fifty. So okay. we can, yeah, If there were any other questions. Good movie. I heard, yeah, I heard last call a good movie. It's pretty all right. Did you get all your questions? I've, I've gotten all my questions, unless there were any plugs that got left off there. I know at the end you mentioned your blog. You mentioned um, Misfit Theater Company. Yeah, Mis- Misfit Theater Collective. Misfit Theater Collective, um, actually on March 11th at Strange Ways Brewing. We're doing a stage reading of My Cousin Vinny. <gasps> and it's going to be amazing and hilarious, and it's free admission. Uh, it's do- donation-based, and all the donations are going to go to um, the Southern Poverty Law Center. So it's it's for a good cause, and it's going to be hilarious, so come out and drink some beer and watch some comedy. And, of course, there's Last Call, Lights, Camera, Dead. Yeah, Lights, Camera, Dead is our, our first movie. It's a horror comedy. It is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Last Call is the movie we're working on now. Um, Aesthesis Productions is uh, open and available for whatever your production needs may be. We're currently working on um, a A A-team zombie parody called Super Squad um, with Davis Bradley, who's a very talented Richmond artist. So keep an eye out for Super Squad. I was going to say, if you want to come be a zombie, um, we'll we'll take zombies. Um, so, um, 
And Sharon, did you have anything else that I might have missed? I don't think so. I'm good. Any did book you talk clubs about or gardening? You still? I mentioned it. Yeah. I have a blog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's it's goth slash goth dash gardening at blogspot.com. So you're welcome to read about my adventures or not. It's okay. <laughs> into that. I'm definitely into that. Kitty, anything else from you? Um, Red Vein Haunted House will be opening once again this October at Hanover Vegetable Farm. And we will be bigger and better and scarier. <laughs> and I am so excited for it. So make sure you come out to that. Um, halfway to Halloween, Springoween is going to be May 5th and 6th at Strangeways. And our book club is also May, um, March 11th, but it's in the morning. So you can hit us in the morning, and we're reading Pet Cemetery, and then we'll go check out your event. Yay. Cool. And do you have anything happening? Yeah. Um, well, I will be uh, giving a Nerd Night presentation uh, at Red Dragon Brewery in Fredericksburg on March 13th. It's a Monday, and it's in Fredericksburg, so I'm sure you locals won't be able to make it, but... Um, this uh, will be airing on my podcast, Mouthy Broadcast, which you can find through Facebook, facebook.com slash Mouthy Broadcast. Um, MouthyBroadcast.com is our uh, website if you want to go directly there. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, this is the most safe for work episode we have and will ever release. <laughs> we didn't uh, swear. You no one can start no one yeah. yeah, no one. We just have to throw out a fuck right now. Just to make it a little more used to what's generally out there. Um, just we have voicemail that we give out for people who want to call and leave us a message. The number is seven five seven five four one C U N T. Uh, <laughs> that spells cunt. Yes. It does spell cunt. It did. I'm sorry, what does it spell? It spells cunt. So that's what I'm usually doing. Uh, this was a, yeah. this was a, you know, I, I was really struggling to maintain my professionalism here. Um, <laughs> oh, we should start again then. Yeah. Do, it again. do it over. We've got five minutes. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the, the podcast, Mouthy Broadcast, like it's search us on Stitcher or iTunes or however you subscribe to podcasts. Um, uh, any, any feedback you're willing to give through a review or an email, uh, mouthybroadcast at gmail.com or on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, all that. Yeah. As are we. Everything. Mm-hmm. Go all your social media. <laughs> <laughs> find us. Thank you everyone for coming. Thank you. Pumped.